0: Hey, everybody, this is Gene Marks, and welcome to the Paychecks Business Series podcast. Today, I'm speaking with Zippy Duvall. Zippy uh, is the president of the American Farm Bureau Federation. This is a national organization that's built up through counties and states, farm bureaus, an association of farmers, most farmers in this country. Um, so, he has got his finger on the pulse of what's going on in the ag industry, a very, very vital industry that's made up of countless small businesses that affects your small business and affects us as consumers. We're going to be talking about some of the issues that they have, of course, labor, inflation. Uh, we're going to be talking about right to repair as well. And also his thoughts on uh, President Biden's infrastructure program as well. This podcast is sponsored by Podbean. Podbean is the easiest way to create your own podcast. We use Podbean to host the Paychecks Business Series podcast. Download the free Podbean podcast app to start, record, and publish your very own podcast in minutes. Podbean provides everything you need to run your podcast, and you can record and publish episodes directly from the app on your phone. So download the free Podbean app today. That's P-O-D-B-E-A-N. Check it out. So Zippy Duval, thank you very much for joining me.
1: I'm proud to be with you today. Look forward to our conversation.
0: Yeah, me too. Actually, I've been I've been looking forward to speaking with you for a while now. I have a lot of questions for you, Zippy. You are the president of the American Farm Bureau Federation. So, for our listeners, tell us tell us what that what, what that organization is and what you do for the organization.
1: Sure, we are, we are uh, put together with four, uh, fifty uh, federated states in Puerto Rico. Mm-hmm. Uh, each one of them have their own uh, state govern- uh, state farm bureau. Uh, And underneath all those farm bureaus, that state farm bureau is their counties. We have 2,800 county farm bureaus across this country. And our our reason for coming together 102 years ago was to provide one united voice for the American farmer and rancher across this country. Mm -hmm. And we work really hard to do that. Uh, We're just now coming up on August, starting the process of our county leaders and our state leaders developing our policy book that we use as a roadmap each year. So the, the, the counties will come together, look at the policy book, send resolutions to their state. Their state resolutions uh, or committee will go through it, take it through their convention, then it will be sent to us and we'll do the same process at the American level in December and January to finalize our national policy to provide that one united voice for American farmers and ranchers.
0: Can you give me an example of what you mean by policy?
1: Yeah. So say there's someone uh, out west uh, in, in having difficulty with water. So we have policies around water. Right. And some county out there might have something that's happening in their area. They might put forward a resolution that deals with how water is distributed or di- dispersed out across their, her, their community. And w- w- something's going on that they might not like and think a change in policy might fix that problem. It would go to the state. The state would weigh it out and see if that's an isolated incident. or would that be uh, uh, helpful to the whole state? And then they'll send it to the national if it makes it that far. We'll evaluate is it a regional or a local problem and does it really fit in national policy? and then it'll go to our national convention. And if our delegates at the national convention votes on it, then that farmer who put that resolution in would end up having his thoughts and wishes in our national policy. Got and it. we have we, we have policies that deal with just about everything you can think of.
0: I, you know, so would I equate the Farm Bureau Federation to like an, a like a national association? I mean, I'm a CPA, so I belong to you know the, the pennsylvania institute of cpas which then you know goes up to the american institute of cpas and the aicpa has its you know guidelines and rules for us as financial people to follow if we want to be a member in good standing of the profession is it is it similar to that
1: i think it would be more similar to uh uh to uh, uh arp okay uh, where w- they have members and they provide services and they also represent those members on issues around aging population. Makes sense. Yeah. Who are your members? A-, a lot of farmers. I would say, you know, I don't, I, I, of course, not every farmer is a member, but I'd say a big percentage of them. I don't know what percentage. Uh, and then we have a lot of uh, other members that uh, come to us and be a member because either they support supporting farmers and ranchers or they want to be provided some service that we provide through our state farm bureaus.
0: Um, Your members themselves, are they, you know, what benefits when you're when you're looking for new members, which I'm sure you're always doing that. um, What do you tell your members, both existing and prospective members, are the biggest benefits for belonging to the Federation?
1: Well, for my position, I tell them the biggest benefit is we provide that one united voice. And it's not my voice, it's the farmer's voice that we provide. And we're on Capitol Hill each and every day uh, watching their backs as policies being made while they're at home working on the farm. Uh, and then their state, state organizations, which is a, a member of our uh, American Farm Bureau, uh, they also provide that same level of service in their state capitals. And then their county organizations are very active on local uh, issues, policy-making issues on the local level, it might be around school districts and maybe talk about water and noise and whatever all might be going on at county government or uh, in ordinances or anything like that, taxes, taxes. We spend a lot of time talking about taxes.
0: Sure, sure. All right, so let's dig into some of these issues that are affecting farmers around the country, and I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of jump around a little bit because you know the news has changed. I know you've got some insights and, and activities on on a lot of these issues. Um, just a couple of weeks ago, uh, you know, President Biden issued an executive order um, regarding anti you know competition and um, trying to uh, you know he wants to you know pull back the sort of you know monopolistic power of bigger organizations. One thing you know, that really struck a chord for me when it came to farmers is there's a, a provision in there um, that's now would be requiring equipment manufacturers to allow their customers, farm equipment manufacturers, to do their own repairs. I, I wrote about this a couple of years ago, how there was this booming industry among farmers in buying used farm equipment because farmers want to you know, be able to be master and have control over the equipment they're using. So I'm, I'm kind of curious what your thoughts were on that specific provision of what the, the president has in his, in his, you know, in his executive order. I'm assuming you think that's a good thing for the farming industry, right?
1: It is. The right to repair is a big issue for our farmers. And it's different today. You know, back when uh, my dad was in business, of course, that diesel engine ran just like any other diesel engine. But tractors aren't the same today. This is full of technology. It collects a lot of data. The farmers own that data because it's their data that they create on their own farm. Uh, but the, the the technology that actually runs that tractor belongs to the manufacturer that built that tractor. And when it comes time to go into the field and you start working in that, and some of that tractor or some of that technology doesn't perform like it's supposed to, everything comes to a stop. And if you know agriculture, it's all about timing. You know, if, if the crop is right, you got to get it out. If the soil is right, you got to get it planted. You know, there may be a storm coming at the end of the week, so we got to work 24 hours a day to get out as much as we can before the storm gets here. It's all about timing and working around Mother Nature. And we don't have time for things to break down and have to wait on some uh, approved mechanic by a, a, a manufacturer to come hundreds or thousands of miles to our farm to work on it, or either evaluate it from where they're at through computers. So we need to have the right to be able to repair our equipment. We're the ones spending the money. We're buying that tractor and that piece of machinery, and we we feel like we should have the rights to to have it repaired. I'm
0: kind of curious why you know why why hasn't this issue been settled just within the industry itself? You know, I mean, you have good relationships. I know with the main farm equipment manufacturers, the John Deere's and whatnot. Um, they know who their customers are. They know, uh, I'm assuming you've tried, uh, but I'm just kind of curious, why, why is it that we have to have now an executive order that, that forces these companies to do this?
1: Well, we're, exact, we're really still trying. It's yeah. not an easy thing to decide uh, or the solution is not easy. And I will hand it to the manufacturers. They are working with us. Uh, and we're trying to find a solution and of course we all would rather have a industry solution rather than a, a political or, uh, uh, or legislative a solution yeah because yeah. we don't you know anytime you put regulation on something it, it raises the price of it right, right. Um, you know and we don't we're already having to pay too much uh, for our machinery and the technology that we're using
0: Speaking of prices, tell me how inflation is affecting your members.
1: Well, I can give you a personal example. I mean, okay. that, my, my hay fields around the farm is about just to fertilize them one time, and I fertilize them each time I take a cutting off. You know, you don't, you don't take things off land unless you're going to put, put the nutrients back. You've got to put the nutrients back. Mm-hmm. But it's up 40%. Mm. 40%. And I sell, cattle, I, I sell cattle and chickens. Mm-hmm. I, I'm locked into a contract with chickens, poultry. Mm-hmm. They they pay me what they want to pay me, when they want to pay me, and tell me how to do it. And in beef, I get one paycheck a year because I send them all out on truckloads one time a year. And and the price of beef is at where it was last year or lower. Uh, and here it is, I'm paying 40% more just for fertilizer. That's just one. That's just one item of many that it takes to keep my farm running. So what are you doing? <laughs> well, we're fertilizing. We'll keep, we, you know, we'll pull resources out to try to keep things going, hoping that uh, the price will will respond soon. Uh, you know, even grain prices up. See, it costs even more to feed the cattle. I got about 300 uh, feeder calves uh, on being preconditioned right now, getting ready to go to the feedlots. And it is not cheap feeding them. them I'm glad the grain farmers are, are getting a fair price for their grain. I just wish I could get a fair price for my beef. And right. and there in, there in that is another executive order. Uh, you know, where is the transparency in, in beef processing? Because, you know, as well as I do, if you've been to the grocery store and bought a steak, that price has done nothing but go up, but it has not affected my bottom line at all.
0: Right. So, but if if you're stuck with fixed price contracts, I asked this, I, I actually spoke to a couple of manufacturers, not in the farming industry, um, for another piece that I wrote for the Philadelphia Inquirer. And they have a similar issue to you in that they, um, they, they've, they, they do work for the government. So they contract out. So they have fixed price contracts as well. And their prices have also gone up and it's 37%, 40%. I hear those numbers as well. Um, so they are forced to really take another look at their businesses and cut costs wherever they can and invest in technologies. And, you know, they're scrambling, they're scrambling. And I'm wondering if if you're doing the same, or if your option just limited, given the nature of your business.
1: Well, if if you know agriculture, agriculture has been trimming the fat for years and years yeah. and years. There's not a lot left to trim out. Yeah. I mean, of course, you can always look for efficiencies. And yes, there may be a, a new machine out there that over a long period of time, of, of a little savings that might make you, might pay out, uh, but, uh, it's very, very difficult to find any more fat in, in your businesses to cut out. Uh, you know, labor uh, is a tremendous problem, yep. not just agriculture, but small businesses across America. And finding enough labor to do the work we do on our farm is very, very difficult. And a lot of people have the perception that we don't pay enough. That's the reason people won't come and work. Now, that's not true. I mean, if you find somebody that's good. When they come to farm and they work hard and they give you a good day's work and they think about what they're doing and they're helping you run that job efficiently, you better play them or they won't be there long. And 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 most of my farmers that I know pay their people and reward them very well and really want them to have buy-in into the 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 farming operation itself and 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 feel the ownership in it as and the pride that that what comes with taking care of livestock and the soul.
0: Do you think attracting labor Zippy to your, to your businesses is, is it, do you think it's tougher now or do you think in the future it could potentially get easier as younger workers, you know, look to maybe move away from the cities, you know, want a more healthier lifestyle, want to be out in the open, doing something with their hands, with their brains, not necessarily in an office setting. Have you seen any of that or, or has the situation gotten worse? When it comes to finding good people to work in your business
1: yeah, the, the situation has gotten worse. Uh, you know no one raises their children to go back and work on somebody's farm right they, they just don't do it. and we have a lot of fantastic young people that's in our agricultural schools all over America, but they get stolen away by big companies and they divert them off because, because those big companies they can turn enough profit to pay their people really well and they don't have to work outside in 95 degree weather and be dirty and, and, and deal with all the things that Mother Nature throws at them. And, and they're, you know, they come to work and they work hard. They're going, they're going to get paid well, in agriculture is not that easy. Right. Uh, if we could make agriculture more profitable, uh, we would drink, we would have droves of young people coming to agriculture back in 2012-13 when we saw some of the highest prices uh, people uh, ke- young people were coming out of college everywhere getting into agriculture starting up working with other farmers uh, you know trying to get that process started and then all of a sudden we go into the six seven eight years that we've been through and a lot of them don't farm anymore because they couldn't survive it what? I did the same cycle of mine in the 80s when I started out in the late 70s and the 80s hit me and, and if it hadn't been for diversification in the poultry i'd have never survived it
0: right how has the business changed for you since you started back in the 80s i mean that was 30 years ago
1: yeah it's changed you, if you're going to stay you got to get bigger and you got to get better you got to get better by being more efficient and and the stability of workforce is crucial for safety reasons uh just the knowledge that they they take on as they work for you and the, and the buy-in that they have in your operation of to having the pride of working there and feeling like, you know, this, this is really a good thing that I'm doing here. Uh, and, and that's hard to develop anymore. Uh, you know, back when I started in business, a young man could get him 80 or 90 cows and milk them. And I was milking about a hundred and you, you can make a, a little bit of a living. Mm-hmm you know and and do what you wanted to do and then i'll then you, you know i went from 100 cows to 150 cows to 200 cows 250 cows and two chicken houses and then 300 cows or four chicken houses i mean it, it, it that's the only way you could keep the cycle up to get enough profit to be able to uh, have a decent living at it hmm.
0: can can immigration reform help fix this problem
1: you know, we all wished our young people in America would come back and do farm work and would want to be in agriculture for the rest of their life, whether they be working or managing or owning ownership. Uh, but reality is not very many of those young people that's being raised in America today are being raised to come back to agriculture. Right. Uh, and, and yes, immigration form and a, a workable uh, farm labor, a farm worker. Uh, bill legislation would help us tremendously, but it can't come with too many regulations because, you know, the American people love a farmer, especially a medium or small family farm. That's yeah. what they relate to. They have this romantic draw to them and they trust us. But a, a medium, small farmer doesn't have an HR department. He doesn't have a, a, a whole list of lawyers working for him. And they got to have a simple program that they can go through and that they can afford uh, to participate in to bring guest workers here that want to work. Of course, a lot of the workers on farms today are undocumented. Some of them been there decades. Wonderful people, all part of the community. A lot of them are part of our families, mm. and 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 they're having to live in the shadows in America in 2021. And, and that's, not, that's not the way to do it. There needs to be a fix. Give them some type of adjustment status where that they could stay here and work and provide a living for their families and be able to go back and forth and see their families if any of them still have any family in their home country. Uh, we need workers year round. The guest worker program we have right now for agriculture only provides seasonal work. A lot of our farmers work year round, dairymen, livestock people, Mushroom growers. I mean, I could just go on and on and on of the farms that do year-round work, and we don't have any resource, any any labor uh, that comes from outside of the country to do that illegally. And then, uh, and, and then of course, uh, the the program that we have now uh, dictates what we can pay them, mm-hmm. what we have to pay them. Mm-hmm. You know, to get a worker from overseas, you got to provide him transportation here. When he gets here, you got to give him housing you got to give them transportation back and forth to work. And there's so many things you got to provide. And then they're going to tell us how much we we have to pay them. And, and of course, pay in Georgia is different than pay in California or Wisconsin or Texas. And there's one one, uh, 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 formula out there that tells us what we have to pay them. So, you know, we need to have a simpler program, one that's affordable to where farmers can provide jobs. Mm -hmm. and do and be able to still stay in business.
0: So we've talked about your labor issues. We've talked about price and inflation issues. We've talked about uh, the right to repair issues as well. Um, Before I I let you go, I've got a couple other things. The obviously infrastructure is a big top of your conversation in Washington right now. How do you view the president's um, infrastructure proposals, wherever it comes out to be a trillion dollars, a trillion and a half dollars on infrastructure? How do you view that impacting the farm industry?
1: It's huge. Our, and I'll, I'll tell you that I've heard Secretary uh, of Agriculture say, it was Secretary Purdue. Mm-hmm. He said the biggest advantage that American agriculture has over farmers in the rest of the world is our infrastructure. Mm-hmm. And I remember him saying it was a profound statement. You know, we can deliver quality products with a USA stamp on it on time and as much as you want. And not every, any other country can do that because we have the in- infrastructure. Our infrastructure is getting in bad shape, roads, bridges, uh, lots, dams. Uh, uh, and, and then of course, for us to continue to stay on that cutting edge and to be able to hold to what uh, the secretary said in that statement is we got to have broadband. Mm-hmm. We got to have broadband across America because all the technologies that we're going to use to do climate bar- smart farming is going to require broadband to do it. Mm-hmm. Not all of them, but most of them. And, you know, all that we need a streamlined system of approval of, of products that companies are investing billions of dollars in to deliver those products to us so that we can do climate smart farming and pr- do a better, even a, even a better job. At protecting our environment by the way in all the agriculture in all the world the American farmer uh, puts less uh, emissions in the air than any other country in the world and now we get bad by other countries but we're really leading them in the right thing to do to protect our our, our, uh, our environment
0: way, our emissions reductions are by far um, you know ahead of every other country in the world as well over the past 10 years, by far.
1: That's exactly right. And if you look at what we sequestered now, Hmm. you know, we're already in agriculture at that neutral mark. And we can do better. We can help other other, uh, companies be able to uh, sequester some of their carbon as we move forward and use these carbon smart uh, practices. Right. Or climate smart practices.
0: How do you feel about the cost of all of this, though, Zippy? I mean, there's you know the other side of all of this is funding an infrastructure bill. Um, just you know, it, it seems to me that investing in infrastructure is kind of a no-brainer. You know, you know, even at the cost that it is, because the return seems so significant. But there is a cost, you know, and and obviously it has to be funded through deficits, uh, higher taxes, a combination of things. So. Where, where do you come out on, on the cost of paying for these things?
1: Well, one, we would love to see a pure infrastructure bill. We all know that that, that doesn't happen in this day and time in Congress. But okay. if everybody would focus on infrastructure, uh, we, we could get it done. The second thing is when you start talking about paying for it, of course, it takes taxes. to Do that. And we're very concerned about the direction that this administration is going when they start talking about doing away with stepped up bases. Mm -hmm. and making capital gains paid at death. Uh, You know, we already have an aging population of farmers and ranchers. Mm -hmm. And we need to find, we need to have a way to pass our farms on to the next generation. Because most of us have one, maybe one or a couple of our children that might want to continue to farm. We need to have the ability to pass that on and continue uh, to produce the food and fiber uh, and energy for this country. Uh, it's called food security, uh, and and if nobody, nobody, no, everybody's aware of that because we went to the grocery store last March and re- and saw empty shelves. None of us want that to happen, so we have to find a way to be able to pass our farms on. If they do away with stepped-up basis or just push it on down the line and still let that tax liability lie within that family or that farm or whoever might purchase that farm. I mean, we can't afford to do that. It will totally destroy the ability to continue our family farms because farmers may be land rich, but they're not cash rich. Okay. And when you die, you leave that land to your children and they'll end up having to sell part of that farm to be able to ta- pay the tax liability. And, and then, then it'll make it, um uh, it will make it, uh, unsustainable for the future because they won't have enough land to do enough agriculture there to be able to make a living. And by the way, that's not just the agriculture issue that touches every small every business small in business. America.
0: Yeah, that's right. It's a big issue. And uh, selling your bid, like we have an aging demographic, uh, people are getting older. Uh, there's a growing number of uh, younger entrepreneurs there. I think there are plenty of people that would love to get into the farming business if, you know, if the numbers make sense to them. And Passing on that type of a tax liability is definitely going to be a challenge for a lot of a lot of industries, not just farming. Sippy, let me let me conclude with this. Let's look to the future. Um, you know, obviously, you've been doing this for a number of years, but you talk to and you know a lot of farming, uh, you know, colleagues that are out there that are probably doing some pretty neat and interesting stuff. And I'm kind of curious, what what things have you seen in the industry that have excited you? Um, or new technologies that people are using or new things that they're doing, you know, with farming that you know, that made you stop and say, like, wow, that's that's a really cool thing that they're doing. And that could really have a future.
1: Yeah, you know, we uh, from soil health, which has become a big topic, you know, yeah. every farmer wants to know more, even more about his soil. We thought we knew it and we're learning even more about the soil health to technologies where. Millions of pieces of fruit are going past uh, uh, sensors and kicking out fruit that might have a spot on it that might be bad. Mm. To the ability to uh, to ability to feed cattle and 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 and, uh, and and do it in a more efficient way that's more uh, safe to the environment. It, it's all over the board of what's going on, but the technologies that are coming our way. I mean, just the, the streamline of approval of products. There are feed additives right now that are in the system that will help us cut down on mission of our cattle. But we got to get it approved. Sure. And before we get it approved, there'll be something else better coming along. So let's streamline that system so that we can get those products out on the farm. We won't play our role because we play a major positive role in all these things that we're confronting as Americans.
0: Zippy Duval is the president of the American Farm Bureau Federation Zippy is I thank him very, very much for joining us today. If you would like help advice or tips for running your small business, please join us at paychecks.com forward slash works W O R X. This is the paychecks business series podcast. And my name is Gene Marks. Thank you so much for joining us today. And we look forward to seeing you sometime soon. This podcast is property of Paychex Inc. 2021. All rights reserved.